Father, we ask that you would guide us by your word and your spirit, so that by the light of your truth and grace, we may see your promised one, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Please be seated. So this morning we continue our journey through Advent. We're going to move forward by pausing. We're going to pause this morning. We're going to pause, we're going to step back, and we're going to look at the very first promise of God in his story. A promise that he makes in the beginning. A promise that undergirds every single aspect of his story. A promise that has a great light that shines behind it and therefore a promise that casts a shadow over every person in every place and in the midst of every bit of pain. Holding out a hope that one day that promise will be revealed. So we're going to pause and step back and look at God's first promise. And here's why. Because Christmas is the time of year. It is the season in the church calendar that we are preparing for. And it's Christmas that reveals the hidden mystery of God's promise. So as, um, as, we, as we step back, as we pause and look, let's review where we've come in the story this far. Right? So way back in September, we began a journey, a pilgrimage through the story of God, looking at who God is, who God creates us to be, how sin corrupts our God-given identity, what God does on our behalf that we cannot do ourselves, and then how we live in grateful response to who He is, who we have become, because what He has done. So let's review our storyline together. Let's read this aloud. Before anything existed, there was an amazing being called God, the author of life, who created all things to glorify himself. Satan rebels against God, but God is holy and always does what is good, right, and perfect. God creates Adam and Eve in his image to love him and love one another according to his design. Tragically, sin corrupts God's design and separates humanity from God and one another. Cain murders his brother Abel because of jealousy. God becomes so grieved by human sin that he starts again, flooding the earth and sparing only Noah, his family, and two of every animal. Again, people rebel against God and build a city with a tower for their own glory. So God gives them different languages and scatters them across the world. God begins again by choosing Abraham to father a people to represent God's loving plan for the world. Through Isaac, God tests Abraham's faith and provides in his obedience. Esau forfeits the inheritance to Jacob who wrestles with God but carries on the covenant promise. 
Then what Joseph's brothers meant for evil, God uses for the good of many. It's an amazing story, isn't it? I want to encourage you to open your Bible or your Bible apps to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In your blue Bibles, that's found all the way back on page 3. Genesis 3, verse 15. This is the first promise of God in the Scriptures. And it's important for us to understand because many of us grew up with the story of Christmas beginning in a manger. But the story of Christmas begins in the garden. When God created the world, everything was just as it should be. Creation functioned in perfect order and moved in seamless harmony. Man and woman, male and female, walked in unbroken relationship with God, oneness with God and oneness with one another, fully known, fully knowing, and completely unafraid. But in an instant, all that changed. Adam and Eve disobeyed God's good instruction. They partook of the forbidden fruit, and sin entered their hearts and entered the world. Fellowship broken. Peace shattered. Creation thrown into chaos. And darkness. Darkness and everything that is associated with darkness. Darkness, depravity, fear, shame, and selfishness flooded the human heart, separating humanity from God. The situation became dire. But right then, amid the darkness, God speaks a word of hope. A Savior would come. Look at Genesis 3.15. This is God speaking to Satan. And the first time the gospel is proclaimed in the scriptures. God says to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. Her offspring will crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. So let's step back, let's pause, and let's look at this promise and how it undergirds the entire story of God leading up to the revelation of the promise that will one day be fulfilled. Why? Because a promise made is a promise kept. This is a big theme in the Kessler family. We are creating a culture of Kesslers who say what they do and do what they say. And oftentimes you will hear that refrain in our household, a promise made is a promise kept. And so when my five-year-old son, Barrett, asked me to come to lunch with him at Howard Elementary School and I say yes, 
It doesn't matter the phone calls or the emails or the little fires that start sparking that need putting out. At 11.45, I go to Howard, and we sit down in those little tables on those little chairs that I can get about half on, and we have a feast of canes together because a promise made is a promise kept. When my boys asked me to go to the Alamo Heights football stadium last night, and it's kind of raining, and I want a nap, and I'd really like to watch Texas beat number three, University of North Carolina, and a buzzer beater, we go and we play football. Because a promise made is a promise kept. Now, if I, as a broken, sin-bent earthly father, am devoted to keeping my promise how much more will our Heavenly Father keep His? God is faithful. God says what He does, and He does what He says every time without fault. And so before Adam and Eve leave the garden, God makes a promise. A descendant of Eve, a human will be born to crush the head of Satan. And by doing so, this promised person will release humanity from the curse of sin. This promised person will deliver humanity from evil. This promised person will save us from death. This promised person will restore us to a right relationship with God, displacing original sin and bringing us back to the fullness of original glory. He will come to be called Messiah. You know what Messiah means? It means promised one or anointed one. God makes a promise in the midst of darkness when everything else seems hopeless. God brings a word of life, a promise. And God will keep his promise because a promise made is a promise kept. So here's one of the things that's really cool about God's story and what he does with it. God shines his light on this promise. And so as that light comes into and through his story on every person in every place and through every bit of the pain in his redemptive plan, that light not only begins to provide hope for his people, but it also casts a shadow. The light of God's promise casts a long shadow. It's a theme of the scripture. This week, Google or in your Bible gateway, type in shadow 
And just look at the times that that appears in God's story, and particularly how the writers of the New Testament epistles handle this theme of shadow that we're talking about this morning. What's a shadow? There's shadows in here this morning, right? A shadow is an image cast by an object that is intersecting the light. So as an object intercepts light, it forms a shadow. There's my shadow right there coming from those lights right there. And so the shadow isn't the reality. The shadow merely imitates the reality or points to the reality. And here's how God uses this. The light of God's promise shines behind every episode in the Old Testament creating a shadow of the reality yet to be revealed. Let me try to explain it this way. Okay, with your Holy Spirit captivated mind's eye, imagine a small child who gets separated from her mother in the grocery store, and she starts to get scared and panicked because she doesn't know which way to go. And so she runs to the end of the aisle. And just before she starts to cry, she sees a shadow on the floor that looks like her mom. And it makes her feel really happy, and she's filled with hope. But which is better? The happiness and the hope of seeing the shadow, or having her mom step around the corner and it's really her? It's the latter, right? That's what Christmas is. Christmas is the replacement of the shadows with the real thing. Every episode in the Old Testament casts a shadow on the reality yet to be revealed. And that reality is the promised one called Messiah. He is that reality. Let's look at this theme in God's story, beginning with Adam. Adam is the representative of humanity whose disobedience brings guilt, corruption, and death to the entire human race. The promised one will be the better Adam, whose obedience will bring forgiveness, redemption, and life. Do you see that? Messiah will pass the test in the garden, and his obedience will be imputed to all of us who believe in him. Abel. Abel's the first one to suffer for righteousness' sake. Murdered out of jealousy, all because he what? He worships God by giving his very best. The promised one will be a better Abel, who will sacrifice his life for us, and whose blood will cry out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. Messiah will offer himself once and for all, that we might once again worship the Father in spirit and truth. Shadow, do you see it? 
Through the flood, God pronounces judgment on the wickedness of mankind, and yet God preserves his promise through Noah. The promised one will be a better Noah, who comes not to condemn the world, but to save the world through himself. Messiah will bring a different flood, the living water of the Holy Spirit, who cleanses our hearts, and raises us us up to new life. Shadow. Abraham is chosen to represent God to the world. The promised one will be a better Abraham, who answers the call of God to leave the status and comfort of heaven, to go and to gather a people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Messiah will create a holy nation and a kingdom of priests for God. Isaac, born by the supernatural intervention of God and offered up by his father in obedience to God, and yet the promised one will be a better Isaac supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit and miraculously born of a virgin, Messiah will give his life as a holy and pleasing sacrifice to God for the sake of others. Jacob wrestles with God, gets touched and broken, and in humility carries the blessing of God forward by birthing the nation of Israel. The promised one will be a better Jacob. He won't think of equality with God as something to grab onto. Instead, Messiah will relinquish his divine privileges, take on the humble role of a servant and be born of a woman, all to sacrifice himself in obedience to God, dying a criminal's death on the cross, but giving birth to the church. Joseph suffers unjustly, but trusts God to redeem his pain and use it to save the lives of many. The promised one's going to be a better Joseph. He'll be quick to forgive our sin and use his power to purify us from all unrighteousness. Messiah will redeem the bad for the good of many. The light of God's promise casts a long shadow. Every person, every place, and every bit of pain in the story of God continually signifies the coming of something better. Someone who will bring it all together. The promised one will come not just to fit into the story, but to fulfill the story. Messiah will be the reality. And you know what happens? When reality comes, no one remains fixed on the shadows. That's what Christmas is. That's what we are preparing for. That is the hope that is held out to us and the light that is shining in the darkness points to. Christmas is the replacement of shadows with the real thing. And so in the fullness of time, this promise, this hope, is revealed, the real thing shows up. 
He becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us so that we can see him, we can know him, and we can enjoy the fullness of the presence of God in all of his glory again. And when we believe him, when we receive him, the Spirit of God gives us a new nature. We are reborn, born again, not just physically, but now born also spiritually. And as the Spirit gives us new birth in the promised one, we become children of the Father. Hope comes in the form of a person. I experienced this in a really powerful way back in August. Christmas came a little bit early for me this year. I got a picture of it back in August. But it started this time last year because this time every year, my buddy Steve and I and Ben and usually a couple of Steve's older kids begin to prepare for our summer backpacking trip. We've been doing this for about 20 years. And there are a lot of preparations. And so we start at the beginning of the year. And I'm telling you, the preparation is almost as fun as actually the experience of going backpacking itself. Well, in the planning process, several things came up. And Steve uh, told me that he was not going to be able to come on the trip. It would have been the first time that he wasn't able to come in almost 20 years. Um, and a little bit of darkness fell on my heart. And yet we pushed forward and we made plans and um, everything worked out. And we showed up um, together. We met at the Denver airport and Ben was there and Will was there, and Ellie was there, and it was really exciting to see them, and we were all together, and yet there was still something that was missing. Here's what happened. There's no audio, but here's what happened. So I, um, I cut the audio out of that because I said some choice PG words um, that uh, are, are fine when you're reading Martin Luther's journals or letters, but not so much uh, at Grace Northridge from the pulpit. But that's, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is the arrival of the real thing, the promise, the hope of what God's people were waiting for. The mystery of God's promise is revealed in the person of God's Son. 
The mystery of God's promise is revealed in the person of God's Son. The promised one perfectly fulfills the promise. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, begotten, not made, born of a woman, a descendant of Eve, sent to crush the head of Satan and release us from the curse of sin, to deliver us from evil, to save us from death, and to restore us to a right relationship with God. A promise made is a promise kept. And the light that once shone upon every person in place and even the pain now comes into the world himself as a person. The light of the world in whom there is no darkness at all. Y'all, the Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. And the best thing about this story is that it's true. It's true. And there are a lot of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. Every story in the Bible whispers that baby's name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle. The piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly you can see the beautiful picture. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And they gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing and unending love for us. Thank you for creating such a beautiful place for us. And then in your image and likeness, creating us 
to be in relationship with you and with one another and enjoy life in your presence forever in that place. And Lord, even in the midst of our darkness, even in the midst of our rebellion, our brokenness and pain, and all of the ways that sin corrupts our hearts and destroys our lives, Thank you for not turning your back on us. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for your grace and your pursuing redemptive love. Thank you for your promise to save us and for the opportunity to celebrate that you have come that your light has shined in the darkness and that you are the light of the world. So this morning we ask as we come to the promised one, as we come to Messiah around his table, Father, would you pour out your spirit upon us and give us faith? Would you pour out your spirit upon us and strengthen us with hope? Would you pour out your love in our hearts that we may fully acknowledge and receive your promised one. Prepare the way now, Lord. We believe. Come and push back the darkness. Forgive our sin. Purify us from all unrighteousness. Heal our brokenness. Deliver us from evil and restore us to a right relationship with you. Lord, as we hold out our hands, as we take the bread, as we drink the cup, we do so as a profession of our love for you. Thank you, Lord, that we can because you first loved us and your son, the promised one, Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, in whose name we pray. Amen.